Welcome to the discussion, The End User Revolt and How to Improve It, sponsored by Thundercat Technology and Riverbed Technology. Here's today's moderator, John Gilroy. Welcome and thanks for joining us. My guests today are Kurt Stege, Chief Technology Officer, Thundercat Technology, and Marlon McFate, Federal Chief Technology Officer, Riverbed Technology. You know, the cloud has caused systems to be very complex. Old solutions at network management just don't work, they just don't fit. How has Riverbed addressed this concern? Riverbed uh, is, uh, is taking a different approach to this, uh, this problem. So um, what we've decided to do is to start with the end user as opposed to the network. Um, each one of the uh, agencies in the federal government that are moving to the cloud are uh, uh, finding difficulty as far as user performance goes. So we have developed a system for being able to determine the performance from the end user's perspective. So Kurt, what's your perspective on this? In the cloud, in the data centers, you have sort of internal, you may have internal identity servers. They're federated with cloud servers. You're then going to have, uh, you, you may have the uh, dealing with an application that might be in yet another data center, creating information that may be stored in a database or somewhere else. You're going to have to find some way to make sure that, that the end user can access the information that they need when and where they want it and how they need to see it. You know, Marlon, I think the term federated or federation is a good way to describe the current federal infrastructure because there's public cloud, private cloud, different identity services. It, it gets difficult to even to, to manage one silo, never mind manage all of them. Yeah, and uh, compounding that, you end up with uh, organizations that can, to your point, you know, commercial versus government versus DOD, different clouds. Um, you end up with organizations that can utilize uh, different pieces, but not others. Uh, and each one of those comes with different you know, restrictions as far as you know how you can uh, access it, what are the access uh, uh, limitations, can it uh, talk to the public internet, can it not, does it need to go through some sort of tick, does it need to go through something like JRSS. So all of these different constraints make things within the cloud even more difficult, right? So compound what a commercial company needs to deal with as far as moving to the cloud, you know, as far as uh, just moving an application, do they need to refactor, can they lift and shift? Now, on top of that, all these other restrictions as, you know, how do I bring my licenses? How do I bring my uh, applications to it? Uh, can I talk to licensing servers outside of the, the cloud? All of these, you know, the BYOL ideas, those all become more and more difficult. So, uh, and then compound on top of that, that the marketplaces for these oftentimes lag behind the commercial, right? So is it something that I can just spin up and, 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 and pay through, say, an AWS or through a Microsoft Azure? Uh, or is it something that you bring my own license? And then what are those restrictions for those? We've run into those all the time. You know, the difference between commercial and, and government clouds becomes a little bit more complicated than just saying it's a government cloud as opposed to a commercial cloud. You know, Kurt Marlin brought up that term apps. And <clears throat> I wish it was easy just to manage the apps. I mean, this yeah. is the starting point. But I think for most federal IT professionals, maybe they think that's the end point and they don't realize it's a complicated system way beyond apps. Sure, way beyond apps because the, 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 the biggest thing, the most important thing is the information. How do you, do you have access to the information? Can you get access to the information? Um, <clears throat> where is that data being stored? You've got requirements like, like DFARS, like, um, you know, as, as uh, Marlon mentioned, FedRAMP. FedRAMP clouds are you typically lag behind in some of these areas and making sure that you have the right information. Is it, on, is it on the right segment of the network that you need? And you're going to have to, you know, as I said before, you've got federated identity services where you, where you have to deal with both sides of it. You know, these are, and you've got portability of that information because folks are now looking at 
uh, multi-cloud infrastructure. So whether it be a public-private or public-public, you know, between different different cloud providers. You know, Marlon, I've known you for a while here, and you've got a good, deep experience in the federal government with information technology. And years ago, if you ask someone, where's the data stored, you go down the hall. <laughs> but today, if you went up to a federal ITP, where's the data stored? You have to get a pen and write down, well, let me see, uh, there's the cloud, there's data centers, of course, virtualized systems, mobile devices, software as a service. I mean, what's the right answer? Where is it stored? Yeah, and this goes back to a uh, conversations we've had in the past as far as um, uh, the complexity of networks, the complexity of data, uh, and where it is. Uh, you, you know, I've always said that, you know, unfortunately, a lot of times when it comes to technology ado adoption, the, the government is sometimes on the backside of the adoption curve. Um, but I see them coming, you know, uh, forward quite a bit more. You know, uh, the things in the past that we thought were never going to be really there, like uh, of the tons and tons of mobile devices, wireless networks and such. Um, they're definitely coming to the front of that adoption curve, which again only causes the problem that we see within the commercial, you know, commercial side of things, which is the complexity becomes uh, much greater. Uh, therefore, networks and applications become more fragile. Um, so again, in that you end up having a need for uh, visibility. I was actually talking to a government customer yesterday uh, that basically, you know, admitted to the fact that they had absolutely no visibility into. Uh, their applications, their network, uh, what was on their network, all of those things. So uh, how are you going to move into this much more complex um, uh, world without knowing exactly what's on your network? I mean, even from a cybersecurity perspective, this becomes a huge, huge problem. So Kurt, you're sitting at a trouble desk here and uh, someone calls you and says, uh, my system's real slow and you have no visibility in the network. You run out of the building, what do you do? I mean, this is a challenge. Well, I wouldn't say you have no visibility in the network. I think what, uh, you know, and what we're here talking about a bit today is the fact that um, in the past, most of your visibility was very machine-centric. It was based on the network, based on based on the servers. Like, yeah, my servers are running, my network is running, um, it's running at this speed, blah, 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 blah. Um, all that stuff was was there for, for quite some time. The question right now is, you know, from the user's perspective, they don't care that the servers are running in the back end. They care that they can't get to their information or they can't see their information or they're having some sort of issue. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where, you know, we come into the Eternity Project. Absolutely. And, and, and what you just described is exactly what we've uh, uh, basically be going through for the last couple of decades, right, is, is uh, and we call them point solutions, and the joke is, you know, it's like, a, I'm pointing at you, it's, it's your problem, it's not my problem, <laughs> you know, my network is great, my application yeah. is great, right, and um, so it's really just, you know, finger pointing, or, or what what uh, groups have gone to, to is, is what is my meantime innocence, you know, basically, when can I say it's not my problem? Um, and what we found was, was you know, the network team says, you know, everything is green, right? Because what are they looking at? They're looking at it's up, it's down. They're not actually looking at a performance perspective. Application team, same thing. You know, the application team is saying, my application is working correctly. Um, uh, it, it's up, right? You can get to my application. Uh, but they're, not, again, not looking at it from a performance perspective. And then in the end, what your troubleshooter has is they're still talking to a customer on the phone, which if we're all being honest, that's the most important person, right? That's the, if it's in the DOD, that might be that's an operator out in the field, that might be someone at, uh, you know, I don't know, DHS, you know, trying to, to uh, uh, work through a, a customs issue or something along those lines. That is the most important person. So everyone else is saying it's great. That person is saying that they're having difficulty. 
That's the most important person. So why haven't we been looking at this problem from their perspective, right? Well, Marlon, I got a 30-second challenge for you. Okay. You just dropped in that term, eternity. Maybe it's a, a little nutshell description of what eternity means for our federal audience. Oh, okay. So eternity. You said 30 seconds, huh? All right. Difficult for me. Um, eternity is a new product that Riverbed uh, has, and it focuses on the performance of an application, the performance of a network, performance of a machine from the end user's perspective. So if you were a troubleshooter in the past and somebody called up and said, I have a problem with this particular application, you would ask them to do things. Maybe you take some packet captures, you look at the network. This actually allows you to say definitively and quantitatively, yes, they are having a problem with that application. Two, it is not the norm as far as the, uh, the performance experience that they're having. We take every single, you know, we call it click to render. Uh, and that means, you know, from I check an email, exactly how long does that entire process take for that particular end user? Quantifying both the system, the network, the server, and then all the way back and say, yes, this particular person is having a performance problem and then being able to identify and drill down from there. That's perfect. It almost sounds like the frame uh, retail is all about detail, and this gives you the detail to understand your problem. Absolutely. Our guests today are Kurt Steege, Chief Technology Officer, Thundercat Technology, and Marlon McFate, Federal Chief Technology Officer, Riverbed Technology. I'm your moderator, John Gilroy, on the discussion, The End User Revolt and How to Improve It, sponsored by Thundercat Technology and Riverbed Technology on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Close the IT monitoring visibility gap with Riverbed's Eternity. Eternity provides real-time information about how end users actually experience and interact with their applications, devices, and network. Riverbed, in partnership with Thundercat Technology, can monitor the end user experience of all the business-critical applications. And unlike traditional monitoring products, Eternity automatically correlates all streams of data that constitute true user experience. Monitor where it matters most, the user's device, with Riverbed Eternity and Thundercat Technology. Welcome back. My guests today are Kurt Steege, Chief Technology Officer, Thundercat Technology, and Marlon McFate, Federal Chief Technology Officer, Riverbed Technology. I'm your moderator, John Gilroy, on the discussion, The End User Revolt and How to Improve It, sponsored by Thundercat Technology and Riverbed Technology on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. We know, Marlon, if, you, uh, if you're just on Twitter and you do any kind of observation of what's going on in the world of technology, Microsoft is having a lot of success. And, and more and more commercial companies are moving to Office 365. And I think the parallel world is in the federal government. More and more governments are moving to Microsoft Office 365. This offers some challenges and opportunity for network management. What do you, what do you think the biggest impact will be on this transition? You know, um, you're absolutely right. At one point in time, uh, the federal government was really looking at mostly Microsoft Exchange. It was all on-prem, but they are definitely moving to the, uh, the, the, the SaaS side of things, right? And we see it all the way across the, the, the government, whether or not it be on the commercial side. We see it within the Department of Defense. We see it also in the Intel community. So everyone's kind of running toward Office 365. Um, the, 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 the great things about this is obviously, you know, it's uh, managed by Microsoft and therefore a lot of the issues that we had before from managing that on-prem are now being taken care of by more the, the, the manufacturer of Microsoft. Uh, the difficulty for the government on that is the fact that we can't, in the government, utilize the cloud for one of its great benefits, which is just basically going directly to your application. Within the government, we still have to do things like... Um, you know, backhaul through a through a trusted internet connection. We have to backhaul through JRSS. We have to go through a DISA, you know, cap or something along those lines. So the distance from the end user to the application becomes greater. 
um, uh, you know, just taking into account one, one of our customers that's actually moving, I think they've already got something like 400,000 uh, uh, mailboxes and they want to get up to 800,000 mailboxes to Office 365. You know, uh, backhauling that to a longer distance than it used to be reduces performance and it has nothing to do with Microsoft. It has nothing to do with Office 365. It has nothing to do with the fact that it's a, you know, software as a service. It's just distance. You know, it's a speed of light problem. So, um, being able to quantify what that performance was prior to and then after, right? Being able to see what the, the, the difference in those, those uh, performance numbers are is, is helpful. It's also helpful as these customers are moving because the scale of government, right? We're not talking about a, uh, a customer that has, you know, 20 users or 100 users. We're talking, you know, sometimes tens or hundreds of thousands of users. What is the performance as I continue to move more and more of my users? Do I have capacity issues uh, within my network? Do I have uh, latency issues? Is my performance degrading as I continue to move more and more customers off to the cloud? Then how can I fix those? That's what Riverbed uh, is, is here to, to address. And Kurt, I think what this means is uh, pointing the right finger. So if your agency makes the transition to Office 365 and uh, there's different experiences to different people, maybe the problem isn't Microsoft, maybe the problem is the network itself. Sure, sure. Maybe it is the network itself. Um, and there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of different uh, ways to address that, you know, as, as, as Marlon mentioned, the, the TIC infrastructure. There are some other ideas around um, tie cap infrastructures where you have direct connections. Mm -hmm. And some of, these, some of these problems were existent before because many of, these, many of these different federal agencies had, you know, one or two data centers on opposite sides of the country. And depending on who you were accessing, you were getting to their, your email that way. Um, and, you know, the way that these things are, that the, the, these are put together now is you're able to do these, uh, you know, monitor the network, check these things, and go through, possibly through there, but possibly through um, direct connections to those, to those Internet providers. I have a friend named Wes Lewis, and he introduces himself as a UI UX expert. And I'm sure that he's never gone to the bowels of an agency and talked to a network manager or assistant administrator to worry about their experience with managing a network. How does Riverbed address that concern? Well, that their biggest problem, right, is being completely reactive to everything. Right, it's it's it is a reactive environment, and unfortunately, uh, for them, that's that's kind of the nature of the beast. What Riverbed is trying to do is take a lot of different areas, as far as network management visibility, application visibility, end user, uh, and tie all those together, right? And then be able to alert on things in more of a reactive. And I know that. Everyone says that. We want to be more reactive when it comes to those. That really is kind of the nightmare of that particular person's job, right? So if we can make it so that they understand or they know about issues from an end user's, you know, a user experience perspective, before that person even calls in, right, and they can start working on that problem prior to, uh, their, you know, for lack of a better term, their, their, their life and their, their stress level is greatly improved, right? Uh, we're removing some of the headache from that particular person's job. Kurt, I got a uh, inside baseball term for you here, and the term is network jitter. So, so what is network jitter in your experience, and how does it affect our audience? Um, ne network jitter is is uh, you know uh, could be related to dropping of packets. It's it's how you look through things. The, the most prevalent spa space where people see it is in uh, video communication, mm -hmm. where you're starting to deal with um, where you're talking on whether it be Skype or or uh, or or any of the, or WebEx or any of these other things, where you're starting to look at these things where you have. Um, you know, someone talking. Hopefully, hopefully not in this in this broadcast. But uh, where you're seeing folks jumping back and forth, and, and you see a little bit of a, a change in the actual 
performance of the network there. You know, when it comes to video, there's certain standards you could have in order to make it acceptable, not acceptable, mm -hmm. especially with audio quality, certain sure. standards acceptable, not acceptable. Audio quality, it could also be just data transmission quality as yeah. well, so making sure that the information goes across. Properly. So my question to Marlon is, is, is there some kind of a baseline for analysis of system performance like there is for video and audio? I mean, where can federal IT professionals go for system baselines? Um, well, baselines are, 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 are a funny thing because it really depends on the network that you're on, right? Uh, and that goes back to what we've been talking about for the last, uh, uh, you know, 10, 15 minutes is, is how do you quantify what is normal, right? Because if I take an end user at the end of, you know, say it's a, an operator out in the field and their end of a satellite shot, or I take, you know, say a general that's in, you know, on a base, right? Those two norms are entirely different from one another, right? What is, what is good, what is a, a normal in those two situations are extremely different. So this comes into being able to analyze behavioral analyst, uh, uh, analytics, right? So one of the things that we strive to do is, is once you start monitoring that, that, that environment, is to start to model for every single end user, for every single end device, what is normal for them. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that normal for them, again, at the end of a satellite shot, going back to video and you know, audio, that can be very difficult for those. Um, uh, might not be the, the greatest performance, but we have other things that will help improve performance, but still, what is normal for them? And then when we deviate from normal, why are we deviating? Where is that deviation coming from? Those are the important things. The key thing uh, Marlon just said right there is, is understanding normal. Like I think what's really important across the board, and, and one of the things I've done in, in past live as well, is understanding uh, from a project perspective, from a, from, a, from a system perspective, who is your customer? So you talked mm -hmm. about UI, UX. Um, who is your customer? Um, designing your system for, we, we, we actually called in the past, persona-based work. So who is your customer? Is it, you know, um, you know tip of the spear, agent, agent or warfighter? Is it an analyst? Is it, is it a support person? Is it a command person? Just, just like Marlon was saying right there. And understanding what that person needs. Now, they may all need access to the same kinds of information, but they may look at it in completely different ways. The, the warfighter may need to see you know, specific information, whereas the analyst is going to need to see maybe, maybe on a spreadsheet, maybe on some sort of, some sort of visualization. Understanding your, your user interface and your user experience based on those personas is exactly what needs to happen here. And it's, it's happening across, across the government space and different folks that we talk to. My guests today are Kurt Steege, Chief Technology Officer at Thundercat Technology, and Marlon McFate. Federal Chief Technology Officer, Riverbed Technology. I'm your moderator, John Gilroy, on the discussion, The End User Revolt and How to Improve It, sponsored by Thundercat Technology and Riverbed Technology on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Close the IT monitoring visibility gap with Riverbed's Eternity. Eternity provides real-time information about how end users actually experience and interact with their applications, devices, and network. Riverbed, in partnership with Thundercat Technology, can monitor the end user experience of all the business-critical applications. And unlike traditional monitoring products, Eternity automatically correlates all streams of data that constitute true user experience. Monitor where it matters most, the user's device, with Riverbed Eternity and Thundercat Technology. Welcome back to the discussion, The End User Revolt and How to Improve It, sponsored by Thundercat Technology and Riverbed Technology on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. My guests today are Kurt Steege, Chief Technology Officer at Thundercat Technology, and Marlon McFate, Federal Chief Technology Officer, Riverbed Technology. I'm your moderator, John Gilroy. 
know, we've all seen promises of moving to the cloud and things are going to get better and this is going to happen and that's going to get better. But you may be working for a federal agency and you hear these promises about a cloud and then after the cloud's installed, you may have some questions and there's no way to um, go back and forth to the cloud provider unless you have some specifics to start the discussion with. So can Riverbed help us with giving us some specifics? No, absolutely. So uh, really I think what's what's uh, important to understand is, is that uh, regardless if you're in the cloud or not, from the provider's perspective, they still look at it as you know your responsibility to monitor your network, monitor your applications. Uh, uh, they're really there providing you know an infrastructure as a service or a software as a service. Outside of making sure that that is working, your performance, how you get there, your end user experience, all that still is your responsibility, just as if it was an application sitting inside of your data center, right? So um, having that visibility into that area is incredibly important. I can remember if we went back a couple of years, that was one of the very you know, um, uh, uh, concerns, right? Yeah, was, it was. I lose visibility. That's not the case anymore. You, know, you can have visibility, all the same type of visibility that you had before within your data center through uh, 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 utilizing our visibility even all the way into the cloud, and that's you know, your flow, your packets. It doesn't matter. We can still get all that information for you within the, within the cloud. You know, Kurt, if you go to Google Trends and type in DevOps, you see a ramp all the way up. Hot topic, real hot topic. And uh, one precept or principle of DevOps is iterate and test and investigate. Uh, so can, can this product can help our, our listeners do that at all? Um, I've, can this product do it? Um, I that would have to. I'd have to pitch that back over to you. But, <laughs> yeah, um, no, you know, so from from a DevOps perspective, you know, I think what's really important is understanding again user experience. User experience is going to is going to affect every aspect of what you're talking about. When you're talking about building things in the cloud or building things locally, the the DevOps world is really automating all of that. Automating the automating the testing that has to go with that from a security from a from a static code analysis, dynamic code analysis. From, from a user experience perspective and doing all these things down, down the line. You know? And I think what's interesting now is that uh, adding, adding tools like Eternity in there where you ha can now have not only the, the information around how your, how your servers are performing locally or in the cloud, um, how your network is performing from an internal perspective, from a core perspective, from, a, from, a, from an external perspective, and, and to that cloud provider. Um, and now having a, a product like Eternity to say, okay, now we have the user feedback and what's coming out from, from, my user, from my user base. So giving you a full picture there of how everything works gives you a be better control of how, the, how, how you can address any concerns that are out there. Yeah. So, Mark, go on. Oh, uh, I'll just add to that. So um, uh, from a DevOps perspective, uh, yeah, we have a number of portions of our visibility, not just Eternity, but within other areas of our visibility that are actually used in that uh, quite a bit. So one of the powerful things that uh, Eternity specifically can do for you is comparison before and after, right? So we find that uh, a lot of customers are using it in that fashion. You know, I'm going to make a change to this application. I'm going to um, uh, uh, update what is that actual quantified as an impact to my end users. Does that make it better? Did it make it worse? Uh, but we see it even outside of DevOps. We also see that as, uh, you know, I moved this application to the cloud. There's a civilian organization right now that just moved an entire app to the cloud over a weekend. Uh, and they, they actually moved back because they realized that the performance was that much uh, uh, worse. And that was all quantified by, you know, the end user experience through Eternity. So 
um, yeah, it's definitely used to, as a comparison back and forth and to, during the dev process to, to validate the changes. That Is there having. an API that you use that way to, to, yeah. in order to make that happen? Absolutely, Because so that, yeah. that, that's the important thing on the DevOps side. Yep. It's really making sure from a, from a coding and from an operation, mm -hmm. so the development of an application and the operation of the application, and then adding what's, what's yeah. becoming more and more the term is DevSecOps, which is the security piece of it as well. Um, in fact, all the way to, let's say you're using ServiceNow, right? So um, after that change, you know, automated process to say, okay, there has actually been a, a, a negative effect of, and then actually producing and tickets back. and then rolling it all back yep. into, yeah, absolutely. Earlier in this discussion, we talked about the complexity of systems with public and private and all kinds of virtualized systems as well. But to hold on to your hats, <laughs> in the next five years, we're going to have a deluge of information from sensors, from every possible, from airplanes, from energy environments, all kinds of sensors. This is going to be mobile devices. And, um, and so just putting this perspective in the next few years, how, how can your services uh, help us adapt to the future changes we're going to expect? One of the things that I keep on saying uh, uh, over the, the, uh, the last couple of years is obviously the the the, the, the huge explosion in complexity, the huge explosion in uh, the amount of data. And this really just kind of goes down that same exact path, right? Um, I feel that we're going to, and if you read you know, uh, uh, anything online, you probably would uh, agree with me, is we need to start looking at how we manage networks, how we deploy networks, how we optimize end user experience, how we monitor all those things in a different fashion. Uh, I don't see, you know, what you said was the IoT and the explosion there. We're already seeing it, it's, and it's not slowing down anytime soon. So um, uh, we're going to have to rethink how we are managing, deploying, and optimizing our networks for end user experience. That the mobile device is the sensor exactly. <laughs> in many cases. You know, Kurt, uh, you can't have a discussion about federal IT with the mandatory word of compliance. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so what the heck does compliance do with this whole discussion? Um, well, I mean, you know, so, so from a compliance standpoint, I mean, we have to look at it. We have to look at it in multiple ways. Um, you know, we were talking about compliance. You, you know, obviously, we're talking about user experience. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the compliance of how you want to present things—that's that's that's separate at this point. I think we've addressed that. But from a compliance standpoint, we're we're looking at you know all the different regulations that are out there, and that that is mostly resolving uh, how how your data is being uh, secured. Um, there, there are many products to do that out there. There are many products to uh, work around that, you, but not only locally, uh, but also in flight as well. Yeah. So would a better system experience be kind of the, uh, the outcome for people who use your equipment and your system? Um, yeah, absolutely. A better end user experience and then, then also you know, answering that age-old question, which is, uh, well, I guess actually really wasn't answered. That's the reason why we came up with, uh, with Eternity, which is... Um, uh, you know, somebody says the network is slow or the application is slow. Well, is it? You know, and how much? And where is it? Um, it it's, it's, it's comical to a certain degree that um, uh, looking at the end user's experience from the end user's perspective is uh, uh, such a uh, new idea, right? You can go to a database decision rather than a yeah. feeling or a hunch or exactly. a thought. Yeah. Well, no. I think I think that's I think that's interesting, and, and uh, I, I actually did a talk a couple of weeks ago. But what uh, what I find is, you know, you don't talk about the user experience when you're going uh, online shopping, when you're looking on yeah. Yeah. on Amazon for something. And I think where a lot of federal agencies are coming around to the point is now we want that experience, and yeah. and you can compare the two pretty, you know, uh, significantly. Where you know when you when you want to get something from 
whatever your online shopping uh, you know, du jour is, yep. you want to make sure that you have the information that you want there. You want to make sure that you see what's coming in. You want to make sure that, the, that uh, you have related products. Yep. Um, and then from, from the inside, the, the online shopping vendor wants to you know, have that information, be able to understand what's, uh, you know, what they're presenting, and then have that information to say, okay, now I can present these things better. And I think a lot of the a lot of the different agencies are looking to do that with their own applications at this point right now, so that yeah. their users are happy with what's there. And not only users, but uh, you, you can even throw it out to some of the folks who deal directly with the public and making yeah. sure the public can get what they want from the government as well. I'd like to thank today's guests: Kurt Steege, Chief Technology Officer of Thundercat Technology, and Marlon McFate, Chief Technology Officer of Riverbed Technology. I'm your moderator, John Gilroy. And you're listening to Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search Thundercat. Thank you for listening to the discussion, The End User Revolt and How to Improve It, sponsored by Thundercat Technology and Riverbed Technology on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network.